all the nations on earth will be blessed because of your children. All these things will happen because you have obeyed me. So this is just that scripture for us, knowing that a promise was given to Abraham. And that promise um, took a thousand years to be fulfilled. There was a thousand years of time in between that. None of it's really that good, right? Like, some of it's cool, but most of it is just, like, slavery. Like, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, you know, getting your temple destroyed multiple times. Just things that absolutely destroy hope, destroy faith, destroy and almost make you wonder, like, well, is this actually a promise? And that promise was fulfilled in Luke 2, 8 through 20. We'll throw that up on the screen. I don't want to read all that, uh, so I'm not going to. So if you guys want to read that, you can speed read it right now. But basically, that's Luke uh, 2, 8, 20. The very end of it, I will read. Um, do, 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 do. No, I'm not, I don't have time to find that. <laughs> so sorry, I'm just running through all this part right here. Basically, this is Jesus being born, right? The angels, I'm going to give you the Seth International Version. Angels show up to some dudes that take care of sheep. We call them shepherds. They're like, yo, this cool thing's happening. This dude is being born. You should probably go acknowledge this. And they're like, hey, yeah, we'll head out that way. They go. It happened, right? It wasn't just words. It actually happened. They saw the baby. It was in the manger. They're like, cool beans. This is awesome. Groovy. God is good. Hallelujah. This is Jesus. So that happens. And that right there is why do we celebrate Christmas? Because a baby was born, right? A promise was fulfilled. It wasn't just words. It was now actions. There was something tangible on the other side of this. And that has value and that matters because that is why we can have something called hope. Hope. It's a four-letter word and it's really tricky, right? Because what is it? What is hope, right? Is it, is it our emotion? Is it something that we just pretend exists, but we've never actually had it, and we just, I hope it's great. Is it just a word? Has it changed? Is the meaning the same? What is hope? And I would say, for me, what I've learned in my life, that hope is a decision, right? At the end of the day, hope is a decision. And um, if you heard that, and I were to stop the sermon right now, it would be a very quick sermon, and you guys left, you'd have every right to be offended because that is a really insensitive thing to leave on, just saying hope is a decision. Because I know that there's people in here who maybe are on the fritz with their marriage or trying to get pregnant, and that's not happening. And they've been trying to hope for 14, 15 months. And they're like, well, now I know I'll just, I just have to decide to do this. So thanks, Seth. That was, that was very informative. When I leave, I will decide to hope, and my life will be better. But I'm not stopping there because hope is, is so, let me read this the right way, not as decision to hope, but it's a decision on where we place it. Where do we place our hope? So here's an incredibly long list. Family, kids, friends, career, status, principles, ability, health, education, intellect, faith, stocks, our golf game, or maybe our football team, and some of y'all, man, <laughs> put your hope in your football team. I, I really pray for you, you know, and, and, and you know, I'm not going to tell you where you should put your hope. Uh, I don't really think I have that authority, or I don't think that's my place, but, you know. One of these I, I do want to talk about for a second, and that's kids, and it's because that's kind of like 
my thing. I don't have kids, but I take care of kids. And um, I've watched my parents who you know, have a 32-year-old, a 28-year-old, and a 24-year-old, so they have some, some experience in the kids' field. And um, I was talking to my mom the other day, kind of prepping this a little with her, because she will call me and be like, I don't enjoy what you said about me. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to vet this stuff first. I apologize, Mom. Please keep sending me casseroles. Like, I need this right now. So um, I was talking to her about this thing about how, like, I could see in this moment when there was this change in, in her and my dad on, like, what their goals were with kids. It was my sister turned, like, 14 years old. Because before, I could really see that they had this goal of, like, we're going to have some of the best kids ever. They're going to be philanthropists, right, that are dedicating all their money, or maybe they're, they're, we're going to have doctors who end up going to Africa and helping like, treat malaria, or maybe they'll, they'll be lawyers that in their spare time will help free people who have been like, wrongfully imprisoned. Like, we're going to have some all-star kids. And then life happened, and they got to the third one, and she turned 14. And I could see like, their eyes and their face change, and, and it changed from we're going to have rock star kids to let's just not race criminals, right? Like the bar changed a lot. It was like, maybe not criminals. And I was telling this to my mom and she's like, we didn't even succeed at that. And I was like, mom, one felon in the family isn't that bad. And he's good now, right? But it's not me. I want to make that clear. I'm not a felon. So that needs to be said. I work with children. So, so yeah, and I was like, it's fine, mom. One felon's great. And um, just seeing them do funny things when they see like families with younger kids that they're very, it's not judgmental. It's not them, it's just wisdom leaking out randomly is like, they'll be like around people with younger kids and they'll see like a different parenting technique and they're not gonna like call it out and you know, they'll do what they've, they've always done and just be really respectful and like, oh, that's great, that's awesome. Yeah, we, 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 we're really excited to see how this plays out and like, you know, they, they mean that 100%. And then we get in the car, and my mom always goes, what till they have teenagers, right? Like, that's the other thing that cracks me up. It's just like, mom, you are hilarious. You should be paid to say these things. So, yeah, even kids, something that you think is, like, a good investment. But, like, can we talk a little bit about how crazy it is to have kids? Like, I don't think people actually, like, I don't know. Like, I had this realization. I was like, that's a crazy, 18 years minimum, 18-year investment, before, I don't know what the new numbers are, but before all this inflation stuff happened, it's a million dollar investment, right? To raise a child from birth to 18, throughout that time frame, you're gonna be paying probably around a million dollars, right? So talk about risk. It's worth it, right? There are those moments where, you know, it makes it worth it, but even kids is pretty risky, right? Um, another thing that I find risky is even putting your faith in and your hope in something like Freedom Church, right? The church itself, right? This is something that I went through and I've been going through and I'm on the other side of now because what I realized, and I'll give you the end of the story first, my perspective was too small. It's not Freedom Church, it's the church, right? That's what hope is put in. I mean, even when we take something like this organization and we make that the star, it will fail because everybody in this room is human and we all fail. And this was a, a very crazy cycle in my life. Starting in 2020, I had an incredible start to that year, right? We all did. It was horrible. And uh, I've always dealt with 
being low, having some depressive thoughts, but it got crazy in that time frame. And, you know, I think we all were there at that point. And then it turned to 2021 and it didn't get any better. And it kept getting worse and it kept getting worse. And then it turned 2022 and it got to a point to where I literally had to go to Mike. I remember this is right before Easter. I'm trying to do my job and I have to tell him, hey, dude, every, every task I'm thinking about doing, my brain goes, or you could kill yourself. And it's like, I know that this isn't a good spot, right? Like I am really bad. Like I'm walking to the store looking at cars and going, I could jump. Like that was like every single day for a long time. I'm on the other side of that now. So I want to say that now, but it was this crazy level of just every single day. Like I could do that tax report, but I could kill myself. It was crazy. And so Mike obviously responded really effectively. We got me into a counselor. We did some stuff. We fixed some things. I'm doing really good. And uh, it was scary. It was horrible. I felt alone. My job made me feel like I had to be even more alone because who's going to trust somebody with kids who has these thoughts? And so it was just this horrible cycle of realizing I have put too much on too little and I need to go back to the basics. I need to rework where I am at. And so I decided to change where I put my hope and I put my faith. And um, let's get back on task. Um, all I feel I can do is tell you my side of the story like I am. And for me, above all, these things, they lack something. And that's certainty, right? I was talking about that a little bit ago. None of those things have enough certainty in them for it to be something that I want to put my hope in right? All of these things are uncertain bets. You have no bet on your health. You have no bet on your family. You have no bet on your kids. You have no bet on your job, on finances. It's all uncertain. It all contains risk. All of it. It all contains risk. And so uh, I want to ask everybody a question, uh, and I'm going to really want some participation uh, this is kind of one of those deep, heart, like think about this for a second kind of a question. Uh, so he says, I'm going to ask the question, give you a couple seconds to think about it, and then I'll ask you to raise your hand if it's something that you're willing to do. Okay, here's that question. Um, who here enjoys risk? Okay, who here enjoys risk? They enjoy risk. Okay. Some, oh, great point. You enjoy risk? Calculator, okay, yeah, and that's where I'm going with this. So, like, let me give you a scenario. This will be our risk scenario. So, like, um, what if, like, right now, I know this is a horrible day to ask this because the weather's phenomenal. Thanks for showing up. I would have gone on a hike, to be honest, so thanks for being here. But um, let's say I asked you to, to drive to Santa Fe, and I told you that there was going to be black ice on the road in between here and Santa Fe, and it's not any normal kind of black ice. Like, it's a special new variant of, like, super transparent black ice, like black ice has, has evolved and become something greater. It even looks kind of like asphalt and you have to drive to Santa Fe. There's black ice, there's a ton of it for sure. You don't know how long the stretches are and you don't know when it starts and when it stops. Who would just do that drive? Would anybody be like, I'll go on that drive. I'll die, right? Like nobody would do that. And Exactly, exactly. That's where I'm going with this. Thank you. But if I were to ask the same task and say at the end of it you get a billion dollars, 
right? Just get to, get to Santa Fe, I'll give you a billion dollars. I think everybody in this room would probably say YOLO, right? Like, <laughs> let's go make some money, baby, you know? Like, it'd be something that everybody would be willing to do um, because there's actually, you know, risk has to be weighed with worth. Risk has to be weighed with value. We only risk it when we know that there's a biscuit on the other side, right? Like, nobody just risks things for no reason. They're like, ah, I'm just dumb, right? Like, that's just being dumb, right? And if, if somebody were to do that drive and there wasn't a billion dollars on the other end and they died, what would, somebody would, what would we say? We would say, man, that really wasn't worth it, right? That wasn't worth it. And for me, that's where Jesus comes in, right? That's where Jesus comes in because... Put simply, everything else, it, it's, not, it just, it's not worth the squeeze, right? The juice isn't worth the squeeze. Jesus, for me, for me, has that value. And there's reasons why. Put simply, the actions of Jesus take my hopeless, depressed, and arguably pointless existence and give them unfathomable value and worth uh, via his birth, life, and most importantly, his death and resurrection. Because the entirety of Jesus' life and death he has seen me, and he saw me, and he made a decision to do something special for me, and that was die and raise again and create an opportunity to be him because he saw my worth, and he saw my value. And that's why I place my hope in Jesus. Um, I think this is said best in Hebrews 6, 18 through 20, so I'm going to go ahead and read that. When God made his promise, he gave his word he did this so we would have good reason not to give up. Instead, we have run to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope is set before us in God's promise, so God made his promise and gave his word. These two things can't change. He couldn't lie about them. Our hope is certain. It is something for the soul to hold on to. It is strong and secure. It goes all the way in the most holy rooms behind the curtain. That is where Jesus has gone. He went there to open a way ahead of us. He, um, he has become a high priest forever. Amen. Pretty good stuff, right? There's certainty in Jesus. His actions show us that. He, and that's the important part. His actions show us. It wasn't just words. He, was, he didn't just say, believe in me, and then go live a, a, a long, fruitful life. Like, his actions led him to a cross. And more importantly, he came back after that and then did some awesome, really cool stuff, and then he, like, rocket-shipped up into space, which is pretty cool, like, awesome stuff. You know, Elon Musk, eat your heart out. So, uh, um, I got two messages right now. I have a message to people who have hope, and I have a message right now for people who might be lacking a little bit of hope right now. So, uh, the first message, if I can find my notes properly, is um, reciprocate hope this year. If you're a person who has hope in your life, find a way to reciprocate that hope um, because Jesus has given it to you and we need to show that hope in the form of actions it doesn't have to be anything great or anything grand either, you know. Those actions could be something as simple as a phone call, a pat on the back, uh, deciding to use a person's name in a conversation, 
And sometimes it's just staying five more minutes. You know, that matters. It doesn't seem like it's a lot, but those little things really do show hope in the world around us. And maybe it's something greater. Maybe it's you seeing a homeless person and actually making a grand decision to change that person's life or get them a coat or socks or, or feed somebody that you wouldn't normally feed. You know, it could be something great, but it doesn't have to be, right? I think sometimes we overcomplicate this. And, you know, I had a crazy thing happen to me the other day I was talking about this. Not that crazy. It's not crazy at all. Completely mundane. I decided to walk to the store. It's like 9.30. I was like, I'm going to walk to the store and get myself some crackers or something like that. And outside of the door, I saw two people that I knew. And I just stopped and just chatted with them. And they were like, you're Christian. And I was like, yeah, where are we going with this? And they're like, well, we don't know much about the idea of faith. And it's just something we're just curious about. Would you like to make some time to just chat with us about your faith? And I was like, yeah, let's do that. So... That was just me deciding to stop, right? I had, I had my, my headphones in, I was listening to my, my music, and I was like, I'm just getting my crackers and get out of here. And I was like, Seth, just stop and talk to these people. And it paid off, right? It wasn't something I was planning, but I like Christian Mr. Magood myself into that situation, and it was, it was awesome. It was just one of those things. And it's something that is easier than what we think it is. So for the people who have hope, choose to reciprocate hope this season. And then I have a message to the hopeless uh, who feel, and I feel like I share most of my time with just my, how my brain works with you. So uh, this, is, this is a group of people that I really resonate with. Um, your present circumstances, shortcomings, adversities, inabilities, fears, and doubts pale in comparison to who Jesus sees you as, loves, and died for. I really want you to hear that today. You have value and you have worth in the eyes of Jesus, and it's shown through his action again. Um, he sees you. He's the only person in existence who feels exactly what you feel right now. I know you don't see and feel hope right now, but hope is real. Hope exists. It has a name. Um, he's with you in the middle of your stormy seas. And even though our waves are large right now, we all have people in our lives who have made it through the storm and are in calmer waters. Um, probably not calm waters. I don't think we ever really get calm waters. But there's proof enough that if we don't say no, if we don't give up, there is peace on the other side of our circumstance. And I really want those people who are hopeless right now to hear that. We can look to others and the other side of their circumstance to see that hope exists, even though we are blind to it, in this moment, it's still there. It hasn't stopped. The action has happened. And it's just one of those things of just don't stop taking steps. Just keep going. And if you're somebody, again, who has hope in your life, you don't know who you're helping by just saying yes to something. And sharing, that's something I had to learn, was sharing your hopelessness because hopelessness alone really sucks. Hopelessness with people that even if you're hopeless, you know they're on your team, it's manageable. It's doable. And it's something that it turns an elephant and then just in, into like a McDonald's hamburger. I still don't want to eat a McDonald's hamburger, but I'd rather eat that than a, like an entire elephant. Like, mm-mm. So... 
for all those people who are hopeless right now, decide to put your hope in Jesus this season. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.